We mourn the loss of comics and pop culture podcaster Eric Martin. His voice was heard on such shows as Comics Playground, DC Noise, The Trip, and he also had appearances on Comic Racks, Geek Brunch, and The Geek Savants. Eric was a wonderful person with a big soul, and his passion for life, debate, and friendship will be sorely missed by all of us. He will be remembered fondly by his peers, and we will all miss him dearly. Eric Martin, gone at the young age of 36. We'll miss you, sir. We'll now have a moment of silence. This is the PKD Black Box, Episode 2. This episode of the PKD Black Box is brought to you by MyDigitalComics.com. At MyDigitalComics.com, you can download digital versions of comics such as PKD Media Presents Mercury and the Murder, the Collected Edition, and Wasted Wonderland, along with an assortment of independent and up-and-coming publishers at reasonable prices. Your downloaded comics are non-DRM and transferable to any computer device you have handy. Look for more titles and publishers to arrive as time goes along. Prices start as low as 99 cents. That's MyDigitalComics.com. Welcome once again to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy. Before we get things uh, jumping off this episode, wanted, wanted to once again reiterate to all the listeners that if you want, you can get in touch with us through our forums. We do have our own forum board. If you go to PKDmedia.com, once again, PKDmedia.com, and look up top, click on the PKD form. That will shoot you straight to our forum board. Sign up and become a member. Drop us a line. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, or any suggestions. Just let us know what you think. You can also get in touch with us now via email. Our email address is blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Once again, blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think. We welcome your criticism. Uh, We welcome your comments. We welcome it all, including cookie recipes. So let a brother know what you think about the show. This episode is just straight up comics talk, uh, new school, old school, everything in between. Because I spend my time writing comics and publishing them, I don't get to stay as caught up as everybody else does. So I brought in my friend Donnie Salvo on this episode to kind of get me up to date on some things like Brand New Day, which I haven't really read yet. And we also talk about some other stuff, Blackest Night and all other types of things. Some spoilers might be in there depending on how far ahead you've gotten in your reading because this brother's far behind as always. We also talk about some of our uh, favorite old school comics. We really hope you enjoy this. Uh, Donnie's a good friend of mine. He's the co-host of the Reality Wasted podcast. A really good dude and hope you enjoy the show. All right, well, cool. Well, I'll tell you what, Donnie. I'm going to let you go ahead and start on the uh, stuff we're enjoying right now, and we'll just shoot back and forth. Okay. I am really into The Amazing Spider-Man right now. A lot of people said since uh, Brand New Day, they dropped it, this, that, and the other thing, but there has been a ton of stories that were just awesome. Really? It was like, it was, oh, it was like Spider-Man back from when I was a kid. See, I heard a lot of people talking about Spider-Man 600, and that kind of got me hyped up to get it. So I just ordered 600 online, so I'm waiting for that to show up at my door. And that, 
that's like a mini graphic novel, and it's all original content. There is not one reprint in that book, dude. Well, see, that's nice because normally Marvel's real bad with those really – when they come out with a big book, they'll shove like – it'll be like a 10-page story, and I'm just exaggerating. A 10-page story with like 50 pages worth of reprints. Yep. But no, but that's all new stuff. 100%. And there's even a new story written by Stan Lee. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, he's almost 90, so we're going to give him a break. But it was, it was all right. Awesome John Romita Jr. artwork. You will not be disappointed. When you get it, you got to read it right away, and then you're going to want to record again and say, talk about it. Now, why are you digging? Why are you digging Amazing Spider-Man so much, though? Because Marvel finally got their head out of their ass and realized that this is like, with with the movies, whether you like three or not, it was still out there and it made a crap ton of money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's a franchise that has cartoons over decades, movies, and, and, I mean, you name it. It's their number one franchise, and now they're finally putting attention behind it. Because there was a lot of years where Spider-Man was just like, Ugh. Are you talking about like uh, the uh, the Burn Spider-Man series that only lasted like a short period of time? Or no, no, the, 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 J, the J. Michael Straczynski stuff was good for, for the short period of time he was on that series. That stuff it, was pretty good. It was good until he went nuts <laughs> with the Spider-God and all that other stuff. Like, it, you know, Peter Parker, it, you can't put a supernatural twist on Spider-Man. I'm sorry. You just can't do it. J. Michael Straczynski, I like your writing, but you just can't do it. That was the only downplay on that. It's just a lot of fun, and there's there's been like, let's put it this way. When, when you could make a good two-comic story arc about a villain like the blank or the spot, you, you got a winner. Wait a minute. You did not just say the spot. <laughs> Man, I haven't read the spot since like the 80s. I got it. He was the dude that was in the original West Coast Avengers miniseries, right? Back oh, in the day. Oh, I'm trying to remember if he was. Is that his name, The Spot, or uh, is no, his name Blank? No, no, I think it is The Spot. Um, I really do, because The Spot, that's the dude that's like dressed in all white, and he's got black spots all over his outfit, and he throws those spots on the ground, and he can disappear in them or something like that? Or, or Right. Okay. I'm trying to remember if The Spot was in uh, the West Coast Avengers Limited series. I know, no, The Blank was in the West Coast Avengers Limited series. And uh, Graviton was in the West Coast Avengers Limited series. But Spot, I remember specifically from reading those 80s uh, Amazing Spider-Man issues with uh, such corny villains as Ace and Ace 2. And uh, (laughs) I'm like, whose idea was it to dress up a brother, give him a Jerry Curl and a fake-ass Michael Jackson jacket and thought this would be a really good idea? I I really want to know. I really want to know. But I digress. Please continue. (laughs) And Ace 3, the revenge (laughs) (laughs) no i've been really i mean as far as marvel goes i kind of i kind of dropped a lot of titles mostly because of price points you know i mean nothing against brian michael bendis but i don't want to pay four dollars for a book just because he's writing it well you know i my stance has always been i understand you know hey times are hard you know economy and all that and whatnot but still this is the type of medium i feel that shouldn't have to be an expensive medium and if you're a big publisher you would want to entice a reader base to keep coming back or at least entice new readers so if you keep your prices low in the hopes that that you'll be able to continue to acquire readers that would be a good thing but I'd, i don't really dig the four four dollar price point either i mean even ordering online yeah you get a discount which is cool but still in the long run it's being discounted off of four dollars it's different you know something from 2.99 is being discounted you know what i'm saying 
Right. You know, I, you just get more bang for your buck. And some of these books for four dollars are quick reads. And I'm not saying that the Bendis book is a quick read. No, that <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's rare if a Bendis book is a quick read. So um, yeah, I, I I'm not feeling the four dollar thing either. So trust me, I'm not feeling that either. Well, I'll tell you right now, if it wasn't for online stores and things like that, I wouldn't be buying as much stuff as I do. That and and I've cut back a lot. What all? Who all is really taking part of um, taking part in a brand new day? Because you talked about the spot, and you talked in, um, and you talked about a couple of other characters. But what are they doing with like the whole Mary Jane thing? She just came back. Okay. In issue six hundred. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> Damn it! I haven't got the book yet. <laughs> okay. So I take it that Peter's been pretty much a player uh, through through Brand New Day. It's weird because he's kind of a player, but it's like accidental. I wish I had the the luck that this guy has. Uh, but I think it's best to write the character that way, at least for at least right now. I mean, back in the day, growing up, reading reading Spidey, especially reading like Ditko stuff, Peter was a pure dork. On the yeah. seven in the seventies, he kind of refined himself a little bit. In the eighties. It was the eighties. In the nineties, we don't even want to talk about. No, we no. And then not and then and not and not all the ninety stuff is bad. There's some of that a lot there's a lot of good that came from it, but with everything that's nineties, there was your greatness and then there's your you know what? That was a decade ago and I'll just let it be. <laughs> so I I won't knock it. I could joke about it. I I could joke about it to the heavens, but I I I've been getting that vibe everybody's been telling me that Peter's a player, and I think it's kind of cool that they're doing that with the character. And is um, is Black Cat anywhere around? Yeah, the Black Cat has just uh, shown up. I think it was a two or three issue story arc. You know, it's just it's it's insane the stuff that they did. Like J. Jonah Jameson is mayor of New York City. Aunt May got married. Peter has got like three girls interested in him they're doing a lot with the riley side of his family which i find interesting if anything was going to come out of that clone saga crap they're kind of grabbing the good bits and trying to make a story out of it and no offense to anybody who liked the clone saga it's just not my cup of tea and uh <laughs> there's a lot of new villains like there's a new craven i don't know it's just a it's just been a lot of fun. And like the writers that they have to write these books, they get Peter Parker and they get Spider-Man. And if you don't have Spider-Man without Wendy, uh, witty banter, or his personal life being crapped on all the time, then you don't know how to write Peter Parker or Spider-Man. You know what I mean? No, no, that makes perfect sense. It's just, I, I'm not going to lie and tell you every single issue has been a gem, but there's been a lot better than there has been worse. Now, do you feel that the book has been has been you know hitting on its weekly? For it be, is it worth the week? Is it worth a weekly book? To tell you the truth, I I'd have to say yeah. Okay, I really would. I do not regret buying three issues of Amazing every month. You know, not like back in the what was it the nineties uh, where you were buying two issues of Wolverine, two issues of eight issues of Spider Man because he had so many different and you know and how much of it was actually good, right? You've got Mark Wade, Dan Slott, Joe Kelly. I mean, that's just to name a few, you know, off the top of my head. You can't go wrong with storytellers like that. No. You know, I mean, even their worst work is way above average, in my opinion. 
I'm glad to see uh, Wade, uh, you know, getting to touch some Marvel characters after, you know, certain situations in the past got him off of books that he was told that he was going to be able to have control of and do his thing with for a long period of time. No, that's a good thing. You know what's cool with, with Wade is he'll pop in and do two to three issues. He'll do like one arc, but it's it's two or three issues and then gone. You know what I mean? And then he'll pop back in like a month later, two months later, and he'll do another like two, three issues and boom. Now, now, also now, because it's a weekly book, I take it there's like a rotation of artists. And how's now? How's that been faring for you? Is has the is has the art been consistent? I would say a good ninety three percent consistent. Like you, you have not gotten an issue and said what? You know, this doesn't even look like this is like a kid in Spider Man pajamas. No, you don't. You know, you don't get anything like that. I mean, uh, the art style really fits the stories. I mean, yes. that's that's probably the best way I could put it. Now, I know of Phil Jimenez. He he did a couple of issues, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. See, I, I really need to get those because I'm a big Phil Jimenez fan, So, uh, and I'm probably mispronouncing his name. If I mispronounced it, Phil, I'm very sorry, sir, but I doubt you're listening to this podcast right now. Um, he might. Don't sell yourself short. Okay. <laughs> now... And it's going to stay weekly the rest of the year, or is, just, or is this permanent? Is this a permanent thing, or who knows? As, as far as I, and now they just came out with the the web of Spider Man, number one, which I'm I'm guessing is kind of like an anthology tale. Uh, it's not just about Spider Man, but you're going to get May Parker stories, and I, I have the first issue. I haven't read it yet because I got it at a considerable discount. But f- reviews that I've heard. It's not really that hot. Well, I think the thing is, is that when they made the vow to make Amazing Spider-Man a weekly book and shut down all the other Spider-Books so you'd have one book out there, everybody's attention can be focused to that. And you kind of make that promise with the goal of sticking to it. But the book's doing so well. You say, well, hey, why can't, you know, let's do some more of the Spidey books. It may not have everything to do with Spidey. But at the same time, you're going back on what you said before. And granted, Everybody said one thing and done something else, and everybody has talked a good game only to recomp on their words later. I really think they just need to stick with amazing and keep amazing. And if every now and then you want to do a one-shot, because, oh, Marvel's good at the one-shot, boy, let me tell you. You want to do a one-shot book, a one-shot Spidey book, a one-shot, you know, anthology Spidey book, you know, it comes out every now and once in a blue moon. Cool. But keep all your focus on Amazing Spider-Man. Now, this is somebody that doesn't read Amazing, but from my standpoint, if you promise, if you canceled all your Spidey books to focus everybody on Amazing Spider-Man, why do anything else? Right, right. And and the thing of it is, if you're going to do this, don't make it monthly. Do what you were doing and do uh, Spider-Man Unlimited. That was an anthology book. Boy, I haven't heard that in a long time. And it came out, was it once every three months, I think? Possibly. If I if I had my internet up right now on my, on my MacBook, I would look, but I'm afraid to touch it because I don't want the podcast to explode. <laughs> Live dangerous, <Carl. laughs> um, No, but I well, do I, mean, I do remember that though. But but like Spider Man Unlimited, the reason why it kind of tanked was you had amazing, you had spectacular, and then you had uh, was Web still going at that time? It was Web. Maybe it was, was it Web? I don't know. I, I just remember back during that period of time, there were a ton of Spidey books. Right, because there was like Sensational Spider-Man, which which turned into something else, and something else turned into another book. Because <laughs> there was a Marvel Knights Spider-Man. Ooh, I, that remember, was, I remember those. 
That was written by uh, Mark Millar. I'm pretty sure, I think. I'm doing this off the top of my head. And that turned into spectacular, I think. I don't know. I give up. There was, <laughs> there was too much stuff. I was buying it all, I admit it. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the big two are notorious. If something works, they keep their word for a little while, and then they flood the market with all these other titles. I mean, like, take the Avengers, for instance. I haven't seen this many Avengers titles since I was probably about 13 years old when they had Mighty Avengers, West Coast Avengers, Solo Avengers, and Avengers Unplugged all coming out at the same time. But but you know what? I think the thing that that makes me happy about it, back in the 80s, it was all about the X-Men. You know, a lot of people talked about X-Men all the time. In the 90s, everybody talked about X-Men all the time. And during the 90s, there were some bad spots in the Avengers. When the Avengers had the team jackets. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Wasp became a real Wasp. E- yeah, you know what? Oh, yeah, that was bad times. Those bad times, you know. And Teen Tony and uh, all that stuff. You know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll laugh at it now, but boy, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, this has got to get better. It's going to get better. It's got to get better. And what do you mean of- it's canceled? <laughs> They were Avengers were never truly in the forefront. Now the whole to me the whole Marvel universe is based around what's going on in the Avengers. Because pretty much Bendis is, is is basically writing the Marvel Universe template. You know, I like the fact, you know, that there's Mighty and there's, you know, New Avengers and Dark Avengers. And, you know, I like that all that stuff's out there. And and not all those books are the same and they're pretty deep. I mean, I'll read them. Now, I've read them inconsistently because, I'm sorry, I can't pluck my money down on 50 Avengers titles. But I, I think I dig the fact more now that, that the Avengers are in the forefront in the Marvel Universe. It, it just has, like, that sentimental spot in my heart. So, I'm like, I can allow that now. The books back in the day with Mighty Avengers, you know what? Like when it was called, it was Avengers, but they put the Mighty over top of it. Mm-hmm. I used to love that book. But go back and look at the teams they had back then. I love the fact that Captain Marvel was able to lead the team for a while, but look oh, at yeah. look at look at some of the teams she had. There's a picture. I was pulling out some of my comics a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of my '80s books. I can't remember which one it was. And there was an ad, and this was right before they were about to break down the team and start all over again. And the team was Thor, and it was Thor with that big beard and the helmet that had like the uh, mask oh, over he, his face. Yeah, because he had to wear that special armor because. Hel- Hela, Halia, put a, a a curse on him, okay. and his his bones were brittle. Ah, so if, okay. he, if he didn't, <laughs> this is an awesome Thor story. If he didn't wear his magic armor, then he was basically like the dude. Um, he was basically like Samuel Jackson from Unbreakable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see now I got that scene where he fell down the uh, fell down the stairs in the subway or whatever that is in my head. I just want to talk. Blah, 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 blah. And he just kept yelling the whole time down the steps. And I'm trying not to laugh, but because of Samuel L. Jackson and he loves to yell, I'm laughing. And mm-hmm. I feel bad because I'm the only person in the theater that's laughing. Thankfully, there are only five people in the theater when I went to go see it. So um, it wasn't, I didn't feel as guilty. But no, um, it, was, it was that Thor, Black Knight, Namor Rita, Namor, Captain Marvel, Dr. Druid. There you go. I was waiting for it. Oh, God. I mean, that team was just dreadful. You get this is the squad you give her. 
people are supposed to be afraid of these folks. I'm like, Thor, cool. And Black Knight was half crazy. You know, he, he couldn't kill yep. anything with his sword. If he did, he'd lose his mind. And I was just like, this team is just terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's when they did the storyline, like if uh, the ebony blade even touched like a drop of blood, it would drive him insane or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, you know, you're, didn't, I'm sorry, but if if that's the case, why don't you just put down the sword, dude? <laughs> All right? You know, like, really, you could be like the black something else. Okay? Yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, look, there are only so many robots you can chop up. Eventually, <laughs> you're going to have to cut somebody. So Dane, Dane Whitman, I'm like, Dane Whitman needs to get on his job, get another sword or something, and just go about his business. Those were, those were bad books. But see, I could laugh about that and just enjoy that now. I would never buy them again. Oh, I got a whole box of them up, uh, in my <laughs> attic, man. You know, that, I just remember that one cover where they're trapped inside the little cosmic cubes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got that one. I think I still <laughs> got that one. Because like, that's the period of time where Captain America was the captain. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And that's when I really paid attention to uh, any time Cap would fight somebody in the Avengers during during that run, he would be giving a speech while whooping your ass at the same time. <laughs> and I mean, these were long winded speeches too. I'm like, how is he able to get two punches in? He's literally given three paragraphs and two <laughs> panels, and he is whooping the tar out of somebody right now. Oh, you can't mess with Steve Rossi. Bucky can't do that. I, 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 hey, I love me some Bucky though. Bucky's hardcore. <laughs> oh, I like Bucky too. No, I, I I really like what Brew Baker's doing with Captain America. Oh yeah, I mean that that's fantastic. But do, do you see how quickly we went off tangent? Yes. I will admit I was set off by the way they brought about Brand New Day. I think they could have done it in a completely different way. But hey, that's their that's that was their thing. They chose to do what they ran with it. Yes, you have a better book because of it. I just really think the execution to get to Brand New Day, I think that was done poorly. Oh, that sucked ass. Just in plain English, that was that was like you know, and I'm we all know who to blame. We're not gonna, we all know who 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 who's to blame for that. But and and the thing that ticked me off about it was in the beginning after Brand New Day when they or what was it One More Day? I'm sorry, and then it went into Brand New Day. Yes, right. Part of me was kind of pissed because I was like. I didn't want it to work. I wanted it to bite you-know-who in the ass. Right. And he came out smelling like roses, and I was like, son of a... (laughs) But I I do have to admit, though, in the beginning of Brand New Day, I would have to say a good 85% of those stories, you could have had them married to Mary Jane. They wouldn't have made a difference. There are a lot of people, though, that feel that the character of Peter Parker is best served well within comics when he's not married, when he has issues. But at the same time, good writing or great writing can make a character who has went through changes even better. Eventually, depending on the medium or depending on what you want to do, characters eventually have to make some type of change or advancement. You can always hit the reset, but now in Marvel's case, it's a little bit different because they're, they're a big corporation and like you've got properties everywhere. I mean, like you said, Spider-Man comics, Spider-Man cartoons, Spider-Man movies. So you have all these different outlets for it. So if you hit the reset button on one, it doesn't really affect the others, but there's always a story to tell. I like what you're telling me about Brand New Day, and I like what, what my friends are telling me about Brand New Day, and I, I know I, I should read it. I just, it's on that, it's on that to-do list, and I, the sour taste is out of my mouth from the whole One More Day thing, because I, I did not feel that. But 
Well, yeah. See, well, the thing of it is, is like, all right, I, I'm 36 years old. Okay, I have been collecting comics since I was eight. I've seen it all. I've seen just about every kind of scenario you could put these characters in. And then when they turn around, they were going to shake up Spider-Man and all that. Like I was ticked, like other people were that what happened happened but at the same time i was kind of like well if there's good stories to tell and they're shaking it up and they're doing something different i gotta at least check it out and to me it's been a home run it's just been a home run well that's what it's all about enjoying what you like we're at that stage in our lives where if a book's not good i know from my case if a book's not good i'm just detaching myself from it and i hope it gets better later i come back and read it and plus not only that like you said Money's real tight, right. <laughs> so I got to be selective about what I buy. It's on my list. It, it, it's on my list. I, I should get it, but it can wait because I know it's out there, and I can always get it. So, oh sure, and like uh, you know, you go to a convention or something, you go to a fifty percent off trades or whatever. There's going to be a crap ton cool a Spider Man there because it's they're really pushing it. I am going to talk about. A book that actually I just uh, finished reading. A, a friend of mine, Andy Jewett. He is a uh, he's an artist. Um, he's an indie artist, indie creator. Very talented dude. He's had stuff published by Silent Devil. I want to say Dial R for Dial R Studios. I think I always get these studios mixed up. And normally I do research before beforehand, and I have all this stuff written down. The old man normally has everything <laughs> written down. But um, bad influence. Uh, I know. I, I know. But no. <laughs> He does excellent artwork. He has a, um, oh, I was right, Dial R Studios. I was absolutely correct. He has a book out called Sicko. And it looks like a mini comic. It's very small in form. It's black and white with uh, gray tones. It's a story that takes place um, in his life uh, not too long ago. Uh, what happens is, is that, you know, he's at home. He's, you know, he's an artist. He has a regular job. And he gets sick. And the thing about it is, is that he doesn't know why he's getting sick. The doctors can't diagnose it properly. And then everything's okay. Then he's sick again. They still can't diagnose it properly. He just goes through all these, all these states of emotion. When at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, he just wants to be able to be with his family, spend time with his family, be able to appreciate his family even more. It, it really got to me. It was just like real, real heartfelt. It just... It made me like tear up and well up a bit in a couple spots. And it's not, you know, that long of a comic. I want to say it's probably, if I look at it properly, I want to say it's about 20, about 20 something pages. It's just every page, the artwork tells, tells a story, even if I didn't read the text below it. To me, that's good storytelling. That's fantastic storytelling. Yeah, I just love it. I, I tell you what, this book tugged at my heartstring. I mean, it reminded me, it actually reminded me of my friend, my best friend, who I lost um, back in 2002 and November 2002 I, I lost him to kidney failure he had kidney failure he was on dialysis for like for like a very long time we all thought he was going to be around forever because he's a strong dude one day his body just said no more that was my best friend Chris he's the one that actually got me back into comics when I met him in college in the 90s because I was in comics and I got out of it for a very long time he got me back into it we would go to the comic book store every single weekend. Hmm. I mean, every single weekend we go hang out. We go to the comic book store, see what's in the comic book store. And, you know, we bought the good stuff. We bought the bad stuff. This book, Sicko, pulled all of that out my brain. And when a book can do something like that, can make me rehash on memories like that, I think that's also a very strong book. I thought this book was very, very pow powerful. I know Andy Jewett has a website. I will put it on our show notes. Uh, the book is only, I think, 2 or $3.00. Um, two or three dollars it was worth every penny and i love it 
I absolutely positively love it. And that sounds um, fantastic. Yeah, I'm for real, man. I he's going to be at the uh, CGS Super Show in um, in March. The PKD Black Box uh, co-sponsored his table. I'm giving them props because this is a hell of a book. I think everybody should be checking it out. Yeah, I just wrote it down. I'm going to go look for it. Cool. Yeah, I know I know for a fact it's uh, Andy Jewett, uh, it's uh, A N D Y J E W E T T. So yeah, he's got a he's he's got a website for sure. I know that for a fact. Um, so because at this time of the, the recording of this current podcast, he's uh, doing some uh, Halloween sketches and he's also doing some work for Angry Gnome Comics. So uh, yeah, because he's providing a co- a cover for the new uh, short stack Angry Gnome Comics anthology. So, oh nice. Yeah, it yeah, dude's talented, man. I I give him mad props. I give see because I'm just a writer. I, I can't draw for worth a damn. I give props to like all these artists, man, because it just makes me sick. These cats are so talented. I try to draw a stick figure, and my hand starts to shake. Tell me about it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, at least, you, know, at least you could do a stick figure. No, man, my stick figure looks like he's like popping and locking. That's how many like squiggly lines are through it. So, <laughs> no, man, I, I I can't even fool with it. No, but to, to me, that's that's what comics do. I mean, no matter what the format, no matter what the genre. No matter what level, whether it be mainstream, indie, small press, what have you, if it's good, it's good. Ah, and that's what and that's what this this did. It just for real, man. It really just it really got to me. It really got to me. So that's that's one of the books I'm I you know I'm enjoying at this moment. It's a one shot. It was um it was it's worth every penny. What else you got? Are you reading Blackest Night? Yeah, I'm reading it. Yes. Yes, what, I am. I have to ask you, what do you think? I do dig it. I honestly dig it. I understand that basically DC, this, the D, dark, darkest, um, Blackest Night was called a Darkest Night. Ah. Um, Blackest Night, it isn't for, I couldn't give this to 11-year-old and under. 12, 12 13-year-old and up, I, 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 could, I could do it. The adult in me loves it. And this is kind of like a conflict I'm having with myself right now because I really like it. But at the same time, I guess I'm just concerned because I like balance within the comic book industry. You know, I, I think there needs to be you know books for kids as well as books for adults. And we, right. can, and we can have that. For adults, Blackest Night is awesome. Because the chemistry between Barry Allen and Hal Jordan in this book is incredible. I am yeah, mad that they keep messing with Firestorm. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm letting that go. I'm, let, I'm letting it go. Yeah, but dude, how crazy is that? Yeah, it's real crazy. It's, <laughs> it's real crazy. And that's why I got mad. I'm like, how are you going to do that to, to Jason Rush's girl, man? That's just harsh. I understand if you don't like the duo and you want to shake it up. Oh, that's fine. But you didn't have to turn her into salt. That's spoiler alert, by the way. That's oh, you just... want to you want to talk spoiler alert? The hell would just turn in the girl to salt? How the hell Ronnie Raymond absorbed that kid? Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah, they, they, they made they made Ronnie Raymond hardcore. And he's got like the uh, the sassy mouth of Deadpool. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's just fierce. The artwork the artwork is beautiful. The written parchments in the back of the book are just deep. Well, now I need to know what's up with Phantom Stranger. How does he tie into all of this? And how eventually how do Hawkman and and Hawk Girl or you know how do they or Hawk Woman how do they tie into all of this and all the different lanterns and how. It's, it's really I, I enjoy it. I really, really do. I truly have, have, do. Have you been reading like Green Lantern too? I've read a, I've read just a couple of crossover issues, a couple of the Blackest Night crossover issues, not all of them. I read the prologue to to Blackest Night where they give you a uh, a origin of the Black Hand and how you that know, was sick. It, it was very sick. Actually, 
dude, I was disturbed. I am going to go front. I was disturbed. I put that down. And I was just like, maybe I shouldn't be reading Blackest Night because I hadn't read Blackest Night one before I read that. And right, I was right. just like, oh, oh, yeah, this is jacked up. Yeah. I do like the series, though. And I've even enjoyed a couple of the crossovers. I, I have to say that I have not enjoyed an event like this. The only one personally I could compare it to is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Really? And I'm going to explain that to you because I read Crisis issue by issue. I, I actually waited month to month you know, for that book when I was a kid for that to come out. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know what Earth was going to be destroyed next. You didn't know who was going to die next. You didn't know where it was going. Like, how were they going to defeat this? You had every superhero and supervillain ever created in the DC Universe on Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's a big problem for all them dudes to, to go after. You know what I mean? It's Blackest Night, I have to say, is the same way. I cannot see where it's ending yeah. at all. I don't know where it's going. I know it has to get good. I mean, like, you know, good for the characters. It has to get better. Oh, yeah. You know, for their situation. But you, you're just like, well, okay, how come they can't see colors on this person, but they could see it on this person? What does that mean? You, there's so much stuff in there, man. And it's just. And uh, what what crossovers did you read for it? I read the uh, there's like this Blackest Night Titans book. I read the first issue of that. Um, I was on the uh, Lantern cast not too long ago, and they sent me a couple of the Blackest Night tie-ins, and they sent me a couple of Green Lantern Corps issues, uh, which are actually pretty good. I now feel like a complete and total dork for not reading a Green Lantern Corps because Tomas Peter Tomasi, who also writes the Mighty. He's a hell of a writer. Green oh, yeah. Lantern Corps is a good book. Uh, that, that, that's a good book. And I honestly slept on that because the Patrick Gleason art is also bananas. I've read a couple of the GL Corps core issue uh, crossovers. I've read the... Um, actually, I got a checklist right here. Well, hot damn. Let's see what else have I read. We are organized. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, uh, Blackest Night Titans. I read the first issue of that. I read Blackest Night Superman number one, but I'll be honest with you. It, I think I read it so... I read it and I, it was a quick read for me. And I didn't. I'm probably going to have to reread it again because I'm sure there's something in it that's vital to Blackest Night. No. You read the first one. I read Blackest Night Superman number one of three. Yes. I have to say, all right. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a sucker, and I get just about every crossover that you know, and especially an event like this that I'm actually enjoying. I want to see how it's affecting everything else. But uh, yeah, I still kick myself in the ass for buying all those Planet Hulk tie-ins and Secret Invasion tie-ins. But anyway, that's another story for another time. <laughs> I have to say, out of the three that came out, Batman just wrapped up. Uh, wasn't bad. I think that was also written by Tomasi. Hang on, I got I got that right over here. Actually, do 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 do. Yep, that was written by uh, Peter Tomasi, who really knows the Bat characters. You can't really go wrong. It was it was a pretty good story if you're into the Bat universe. Like if you were just picking it up because it said Blackest Night, had no idea who these characters are, what was going on. You might be a little confused, and, but I have to say, so far, the Superman one has been the best. And I'm not even a Superman fan. See, Superman with me always comes and goes. Seeing yet another book that I want to get into, but because I know it will always be out there, is the whole Krypton, what they're doing with like the World of Krypton saga right now. And 
because I'll buy Supergirl right now before I buy Superman to support Jamal Igle and also support the storytelling right now. And that whole Who is Reactron storyline is pretty dope. But I know the Superman stuff will always be there. And aren't they also doing that Superman Secret Origins thing right now? Yeah. See, that stuff will always be there. So I can always go back and get that. I I think I treat Spidey like I treat... I treat Superman like I treat Spidey. Because he's so iconic, I know I can always go get it. But with other cats... With other cats, it's it's another story. But please, I digress. Continue, sir. Well, like the Titans one, it kind of threw me for a loop. Because half the story was focused on the new Hawk and Dove. Yes. Who I think were in two issues of Teen Titans since Johns relaunched it. And I was just like, really? You're going to focus half the story on them? But But then it made sense you know what i mean like it does make sense in the long run why okay one of the first comic books i ever bought actually the first comic book i ever bought was a new teen titans comic book so i've had a long history with these characters you know and a lot of them have been whacked off it oh that's a bad word what uh killed <laughs> edit button edit button <laughs> a lot of them have been killed over the years you literally could have a blackest night army just with dead titans it's just i don't understand why they made it i'm happy they made it three issues but i have a feeling that it's going to be three issues and then continue on into the regular series maybe yeah and and, and because of that wouldn't it have just made more sense just to put it in the initial titans book in the first place that's what i was gonna say yeah i I, 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 I didn't really get that either. There are three issues, and the price point, I'm pretty sure, is it's two ninety nine. So, I mean, they're not bumping it up like some other companies do with miniseries, you know? I'm, I'm not mentioning any names because there's a few. It's not just one. There's a few, you know, where because it's three issues or four issues that they're going to charge you the extra dollar just to, uh, you know, make it reasonable for them to charge you. Twenty dollars when a, when a trade comes out later. You know what I mean? No, no, I, I understand. No, I, I understand. I mean, and I understand why Blackest. Why well, I understand why Blackest Night is three ninety nine. Uh, you know, it's Blackest Night is um. Is it a let's say it's a little bit bigger than a standard comic as far as yeah. number of pages? Yeah. You know, so I'm like, I'm cool with that. I, I understand that. That's fine. There's no way I would get a number of these crossovers for Blackest Night if they were, uh, you know, three ninety nine. If I just bought Blackest Night and read that standalone without the crossovers, I'd be okay. Yeah, and you would. And that's the thing that's great about it. You really would. You know, you can't really say that for other events. You know, it's like kind of like Crisis was back in the day where they went crazy with the tie-ins. But see, at least with those tie-ins, once again, if you didn't need, you didn't have to. But if you read it, normally they weren't bad. Right, right. But no, I've got some Infinity Inc. issues where it's basically like, why is the sky red? Oh, let's, <laughs> let's go beat up Mr. Bones. You know, some of them were like that. Others actually had to do with the story because I remember like there was uh, the new Teen Titans, the Baxter series. I think it was the first Infinite Crisis tie-in. It actually took one of the panels from Infinite Crisis and made a story on it. You mean regular Crisis? Yeah, yeah, Crisis yeah. on Infinite Earths. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's all right, man. It's all right. They just like using the word crisis a lot. Yeah, it's just too many. Well, that comes from the 70s when everything in D.C. was a crisis. That comes from the 70s. Whenever in uh, JLA, whenever they used to do the uh, JLA, JSA, Earth 1, Earth 2 crossovers. You'd be like Crisis on Two Earths or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Crisis on Two Earths, Crisis in Time. That was their shtick. It's it's and it stayed with him to this day. I like Sinestro Corps War too, even though it's not an event that happened in, in regular issues of Green Lantern and, and Green Lantern Corps. 
And and it had like I think three spin-offs or something, like one shots. That was an awesome story. And people are actually looking at that as an event. Yeah, and it wasn't. It exactly. wasn't but it but it was so good that it just it is so good it could be repackaged as one because the, the trades are listed as Sinestro Core War. So it, it's packaged like an event, but it really wasn't. The fact that it was under the radar while it, I mean it, people knew about it, but I but also at the same time there was something else out during the uh, Sinestro Core War. What was out during that period of time i cannot remember for the life of me the fact is is that people a lot of people slept on it but yeah it, it just people ran and rave over it i i've got the hard covers i think it's hella dope so no man jeff johns has done wonders with good old uh, greenie and the whole lantern core yeah you i do agree with you on how how much darker can this get <laughs> before before things just go to i mean things are already in complete oblivion and hell anyway but how much darker can it get before things go back to light right exactly like you're you're actually you're at the point now where you're buying the next issue because you just want to see is it going to get worse and if it's going to get worse how like who's next you know i mean it's almost like every issue is going to have somebody is going to get killed or their life or their lives affected in such a way that it just it hurts them for the rest of their comic lives until it's rewritten right right but, I mean, like, they're saying, though, that after this event is over, that dead is dead in the DC universe. I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I cannot believe it. You oh. cynical fanboy. No, you. no, no, no. No, I, the only reason why I say I can't believe it, and it's not in a mean way, is just that they're, on, they're owned by a corporate entity that thrives and makes money off of these properties now granted they could kill them all kill off you could kill off somebody in the comic book but warners might frown upon that because it's like well yeah we can still make money off of via cartoon via t-shirt via video game and all this stuff but mm, you might want to bring them back in the comics too because we want this whole corporate synergy thing going i've heard a lot of people say dead is dead because iron fist then came back a few times i actually have the uh the last issue of Power Man and Iron Fist where he got killed, quote-unquote. I'm, I'm mad at you for telling me that right now because I love Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh, I need to get I need to get those. I got Essential Volume 1 of Power Man and Iron Fist, and I need I need to get the rest of those. Don't, don't worry, man. I, I, I got you in mind. I am putting books aside for you when I'm going through my boxes for Super Show. <laughs> Fantastic. Because at, at Super Show, I will be connected to PKD Media, and I will have boxes of 50-cent comics. It's looking like it's going to be like six boxes now. Cool. Not bad. Six yeah. out of... I'm, see my wife. My wife. She's getting excited because that's six boxes out of thirty that are going to be out of the house. And hopefully, <laughs> and hopefully they can all get sold. Yeah, right. Just, just keep Chapel for free, and you'll be okay. <laughs> I'm just playing, hey, Chapel lovers. I'm just playing, y'all. I, I got some bad '90s books too, so don't you worry. I got oh my, my. I, I got my copies of Mister Majestic somewhere. Let me tell you something. If there's any Pit fans out there, just give me a call. I could probably <laughs> hook you up with like the first fifteen to twenty-five issues of that multiple <laughs> copies i don't even know how that happened uh, yeah. we, we, it, it just did we all we, we all at one time fell into that trap so donnie i'll let you take this one i have to go with one that i i absolutely loved when i was a kid was the justice league of america the satellite era you know when i started buying it i first started getting into comics and i was buying like uh books like avengers where you know they had rules the Avengers had rules, damn it. No more than seven people, or the government yelled at them. Oh, no, the, the cover with uh, Hank with uh, Gyrich on the front cover? <laughs> right. Man, do, do you know how many times I read that issue? 
Because I had so many people, like at the beginning of the book, I had so many people that I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I got 50 heroes in my 35 cent comic. That's right. But when you read the Justice League, you know, satellite area, you, you didn't know who was going to show up, man. They had like 20 people on that team, dude. <laughs> and that's what I liked about it, because like, you know, you'd get like a two part arc and you'd get like the, the Trinity, as they're known now, with Zantana and Elongated Man or whatever. And then you would get another three issue arc with like Black Canary. Green Arrow, Adam, the Hawks. And you were just like, this is, I don't know. It's just, that was just a shit back in the day. Well, That's not, all I could say. Not only that, but you had some Perez art in that too. Oh, yes, indeed. And everybody who knows me knows that Mr. Perez is my favorite. No, I, I, I give, you know me, I give, uh, I give Mr. Perez mad props, especially after reading my Absolute Crisis. That dude is bad. I didn't read DC comic books, honestly. I did not read them until Crisis came out. And when Crisis came out, Crisis was already in like its seventh issue. So right. I saw it, I was like, well, this is kind of interesting because in my mind, DC comics were just bad. Because the only cartoon they had was Super Friends, which I would watch. I would watch Super Friends and all of its, you know, other spinoffs later, but I would never go read a DC comic. But I would read tons of Marvel comics. You know, I could go, I could go to a convenience store and get tons of Marvel comics without any problem. One day I went to a comic book store, actually, for like the first time. And I saw Crisis. Bought, and I bought one of those Crisis issues, and then I went back to get those back issues. And that led me to go bin diving. To which then I got my very first JLA books, which were Perez JLA books with the uh, satellite team. This uh, crossover with the uh, JSA, and it has something to do with Black Canary and the original Black Canary. And it oh right, yeah, yeah, I, I got that book. I got that crossover upstairs. Uh, in, in one of the covers, it's it's Black Canary's mom from Earth Two, like in a glass coffin or something. Yes, and, yes, yeah. that is it. Yep. That was like one of the first. That was like one of the first JLA books I ever bought. It was never the same. God, it hurts. It hurts me that I know that. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> it's all right. You remember what you love, and that's what comics do, man. That's what that's comics right. do. You really, really dig satellite air. One day I'm gonna talk to you about JLA Detroit because that truly is one of my favorite airs of all time. A lot of people dog it. A lot of people love it. I love JLA Detroit, but I'm saving that. I'm saving it because all right, I'm, I'm all gonna, right, good because I got some stuff to talk about JLA Detroit because I'm gonna bring a thesis to that. That book got me to go back even further into the satellite era. I, it made me love JLA even more. Well, see, well, back in the day, I mean, that was like a big deal when it switched from the satellite era to Detroit. You didn't really have such an upset in a team where like people were just like, you know what, I don't want to be in the Justice League anymore. And you're like, how could you not want to be in the Justice League, dude? Yeah, for me, that was as big as, you know, Bobby Brown leaving New Edition. It's like, like, how are you going to leave New Edition? And New Edition blows up again, you know, and then like they're all like, you know what, we're going to do our own thing. And I'm like, you got Bill Bivdov over here, Ralph Tresman over here, Johnny Gill over here. I'm like, it's like the damn Justice League breaking up. This is bullshit. (laughs) My old school back in the day book also has Perez art. And it's uh, written by Marv Wolfman. It's a two-parter called History of the DC Universe. Wow, you just swayed a lot of people right there. You know that, right? Uh, How did I do that? Because whenever somebody says it was written by Marv Wolfman and drawn by George Perez, everybody thinks you're going to talk about the new Teen Titans. Oh, I know. I, I, (laughs) I know. I love this book because this is the other book that I bought. After I bought Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, when you know when that started to finish, I got these 
they basically streamlined the history of the DC universe in these books. So people who didn't read Crisis could literally catch up and know what's going on. Look at the Perez art in, the, in, these, in, in both of these books. It's just, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. There's a page like in book two that introduces the, the uh, new Teen Titans. It's a full page. And on the sides, you have Aqualad and on one side diving on near one paragraph. You got like Robin in the corner. But then in the middle, you've got like the new Teen Titans all spread out. When then you look on the next page and there's like a whole uh, there's a picture of the uh, of the Outsiders. And it's got like this Batman homage on the page. And in the darkness of Batman's cape, you see GLA Detroit. There's just so much art. And this is the type of, this is this is the type of book that Perez loves doing. When he gets to draw shitloads of characters and just gets to go nuts. The original JLA, like they have in, uh, in this history of the DC Universe, because, you know, history's changed a number of times. The JLA is, and they've got a picture, it's got Green Arrow, Hawkman, Adam, Green Lantern, Batman, Flash, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter. And then that changed many years later. When DC came out with JLA Year One, I mean, so history's been rewritten a number of times. But the oh, is, is JLA Year One? Is they they like tried to they made like Black Canary one of the original members? Yes, or, yes, yeah. That's all been retconned again. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I need to keep up with my stuff, man. I, I loved JLA Year One. I thought that was a great book. The history of the DC Universe. They actually uh, reprinted the book not too long ago. And I want to say they put both books and just made both books one whole book. And remastered it and touched it up a bit. Yeah, a lot of this stuff doesn't even count anymore, but I don't even care. That book came out to explain, because after Infinite Crisis, of course, you had... You mean regular Crisis. Uh, oh, my God. Why do I keep saying that? <laughs> after Crisis on Infinite... Damn you, DC. After Crisis on Infinite Earth came out, you had one Earth. So now everybody's like, well, how does the JSA and... Infinity Inc. and the Freedom Fighters and all this other stuff. How does it fit in now? And basically, they came out with that two-issue uh, set to say, all right, you want to know? This is it right now. Marvel Wolfman sat down, destroyed the entire history of DC Universe, and rewrote it in two issues. Took 12 issues to rip the shit out of it, and then two issues to say, you know what, we're, this is what we're doing. Paris is the only dude that could put King Faraday and Sarge Steel side by side looking hardcore. It literally just screams, don't fuck with us. <laughs> he's, he's the only dude that can get away with that. The only dude that can get away with that. That is true. They even have a page... For the Global Guardians, and you know nobody knows who the Global Guardians are, so they have each hero, what area of the world they represent, and they got a number by their flag, and then you look down the bottom, it tells you who it is, because nobody knows the Global Guardians. Yeah, because they, they um, first appeared in, I think it was a Super Friends comic in the 70s. You are absolutely correct. I used to have those. I don't know if I still do. But then you never heard anything about them, and in Infinite uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, damn it, I'm going to say it right. You would see like one or two of them here and there. I think like Rising Sun was in it. And then it wasn't until the JLA Bwahaha era that they grabbed some of those characters like Jack-O-Lantern. I think it was the Justice League became Justice League International. They dis they disbanded the Global Guardians because they don't need them anymore or something like that is how the st story went. Yeah, and, and didn't like Green Maiden and Ice Maiden become Fire and Ice? Right, yep. And then, like, I know the Tasmanian Devil, this is going a ways down the line of that run. I actually joined the team 
you still see them like here and there. I know like in the Wonder Girl limited series, there's a six issue or four issue limited series of Wonder Girl. The Olympian showed up. I think that's his name. The Olympian. No, no, you, no you're absolutely right. Because I'm looking at the chart right now and there is the Olympian. Yes. Is that the one with the, the golden fleece? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's the one that showed up. See, again, how do I know this shit? I have nothing in front of me, people. I have nothing in front of me. When these came out, like both of these books were like two ninety five a piece. Yeah, at a time when comics were seventy five cents, I think. Yeah, and that was a big deal. Sure and, it was. You know, now it's not. You know, you shoot you give me a book like that for two ninety five now, folks cut each other for it. That's right. <laughs> It'd be riots. Mm. <laughs> what other book you got? I have to go with G.I. Joe. Uh, I should have known that was coming. <laughs> I, ha- I have to. I was a G.I. Joe fanatic when I was a kid. I used to watch the cartoon constantly. I remember when the first issue came out, it was sold out of every comic store around us. And there was this store. I don't know if they have them out where you are. It was called Mr. Amazing. No, we never had those. And it was basically like an odd lot type of thing. No, not ringing a bell. No, we never had Mr. Event. We we had odd lots. Right. Well, it was was like that. Okay. All right. But I remember when I was a kid, I went in there one time, I think, with my my mother. And I remember they had um, just on a magazine rack pushed to the side, like just a slew of comics that had just come out. I threw... Such a fit as a kid until someone took me to Mr. Amazing to see if they had that issue. (laughs) Because no comic shop had it. I got there. They had seven of them. And my father goes, well, how much is this worth now? And I mean, honest to God, like I think issue three was out and issue one was already worth like $25. Hmm. And they were selling them all for cover price, which I believe was $1.25. Yeah, and that was a real big deal back in the day. It was on Baxter Paper. It was one of the first comics that were on Baxter Paper. The first issue was. The rest of them were not. And he goes, really? They're worth 20 bucks." He bought like five of them or six of them. I only have one. He has, to this day, the other ones. Never read, still in a bag, in a drawer somewhere. That's Hey, if they're well taken care of and they're in good bags, that's, that's some good money. Yeah. <laughs> The one I have is this. <laughs> I think it's the cover's barely hanging on. Oh, that's like my G.I. Joe silent issue. You do not understand. I bought that from a Dillman's grocery store when that came out. It was pristine when I got it from Dillman's. I've read that. I read that book so many times. I even lost it for two years at my grandma's house because my uncle collected comics, too. And somehow I got in his collection. Lost it. Got it back. And I read it more and more. It's dog tagged. Once again, dog tagged. It's marked. It tr- it's got the wear and tear. Trust me. It's been through the storm. But I will never let that issue out of my hands. I will never let it go. No. I will never let it go. That was the one that was the beginning of the origin of Snake Eyes. And I believe there was a lot of stuff that happened in G.I. Joe, like comics-wise, that they really tried in that comic. Yeah, which is pretty amazing seeing how, uh, how Larry Hama had to deal with Hasbro every single month. Issue number one was one of the first comics, Baxter Paper, okay? What was it, 22 was the silent issue? I thought, it was, I thought it was 21. I may be 21? wrong. 21? No, you might be right. You might be right. That was one of the very first silent issues in comics. And it told a hell of a story, too. Exactly. This guy built 
this entire toy line slash universe up from scratch, man. And it was just like, what? Are you kidding me? And it's like, now come on, seriously, as it got on and on and on, and I mean, how are you going to try and make a character like Quick Kick serious in a, in a, in a special forces operation? Or, or better yet, have like character names like, uh, see, was it, wasn't like Spirit's real name, Charlie Iron Knife? Yes. <laughs> see? And, oh, yeah. We'll see. I love. Well, I, I love the '80s because everybody was offensive in the '80s. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was just, and it was okay. Yeah, a stalker like, was like in a, in a Detroit street gang. Yes, of course. And like because, you know, he, the guy's spirit was Indian. Why wouldn't his last name be Iron Knife? Or better yet, you know, why wouldn't his na- nickname, code name, be Spirit? Right. Exactly. It's <laughs> right, and of course, you know. St- Stalker's a black dude. He must have been in the Detroit Street Gang. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. He he was down. And I, that's I, right. But I mean, some of the characters in the later the later issues, man. What was the dude's name that um, he was the Falconeer? I, I can't even remember if oh, he was you're talking about uh, the cat that was a part of Cobra. Yeah, that kind of looked like it had that red wolf hood type deal. Right. Yep. Yep. Can't remember his name for the life of me. Is it Rap Raptor? Raptor? I Rap? I don't know. Or is that a He-Man guy? I don't um, know. It's all blended together now. I remember that there was a commercial, which was a big deal back in the day. And mm-hmm. they always had one. Every few months, they had one for a Joe comic. One of the commercials had that guy in it. Because I want to say that was his uh, pre- debut issue. Oh, I can tell you what issue it was. The cover. It was Cobra Commander getting away on a trouble bubble. Yes! <laughs> told you i don't know why yep you're gonna get you're gonna quiz me aren't you before gi joe star wars was the thing you know what i mean and then in what was it 83 return of the jedi came out and they stopped making star wars toys uh, i was still getting the marvel comics here and there but then gi joe came out and you were like what is this and then it was like it seemed like almost every three months there was a new wave of characters and they were getting more bizarre as the years went on, you know, until finally I just got, I was getting older and I was just like, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. You know, what, what special government special ops really needs a fireman? No, or better yet, what, what government ops squad has a ninja force? A ninja? <laughs> Scarlet in like this jacked up green and yellow ninja gear. Ninjas are supposed to be stealth. You are as bright as a glow bug. <laughs> I can see you from another state. This is not going to work. She was camouflaged for like a new wave concert in the 80s. That's what it was. Everything was was. neon in the 80s, man. Oh, yeah. If she went to a new shoes concert, she'd be all right. (laughs) The silent issue was the first issue I ever had. Because until my dad took me to the, until my mom, mom and dad started taking me to comic book stores, my comic collecting was real sporadic. And because G.I. Joe was such a, you know, a well-selling comic book, I couldn't always get it. I was very infrequent on my Joe issues. I had a lot of them. I wish I still had them. Some of them I've gotten back, like the G.I. Joe yearbook. I want to start getting the G.I. Joe Special Missions comics again. I'm going to start Ben diving for those. I've got all the G.I. Joe yearbooks. There are four of them. I got them yeah, on. The, I, I got the them first on. one was the one with the, they were on a mission against the Russians, right? I think so. The Russian G.I. Joe team. Uh, the October Guard. Yeah, and then there was, um, like, the cover was them, like, on an American flag or whatever, and, like, a battle pose or something. Yeah, because it had the uh, F-14 Tomcat on the front cover. Mm-hmm. And with, like, all the Joes around it. Yeah. Yeah, I got all four of those. I've got all four yearbooks, and I'm going to try to recollect the special missions. I got a ton of those, dude. Yeah. Those are hey, those are kind of hard to find. Even in quarter, quarter and 50-cent bins, those are hard to find. Because IDW, as we all know, 
is doing the classic Marvel reprints. That, that I was going to bring that up. Like, if you are, if, if you want a little piece of your childhood, man, I'm telling you, those are fun. And as soon as I get the newest volume, I put everything else aside. I don't care. I will let my comics stack and stack and stack until I finish that volume. The, and the whole thing with like the uh, Herb Trimpey artwork in the original, in the early issues, mm-hmm. yeah, that stuff is classic. And yeah. I will, I will be honest with you. The first trade, it's a little rough. It was cool when you were a kid, but it, the stories are, you know, it's a little rough. Oh yeah, um, because you can, it re, it reads very dated. You're it, right. It, it, it's it's very dated. Um, I still enjoy it, but see, I've only read I've read half of volume one. I've got two, three, four, and five now. Eventually, one day when um I get like an, about five interns and a full fledged <laughs> running business from PKD Media, I'll be able to read two, three, four, and five. I'm wondering if they're going to do this, and then they're going to con- after Marvel is over that they're going to continue the classic with like the image, the Dark Horse, and the Devils do. I think they will not do the Dark Horse. People forget about the Dark Horse run like people forget about Terminator 3. It doesn't exist in a lot of people's minds. <laughs> well, that's when they tried to redo it, right? Reboot the whole thing? Yeah, they rebooted it, and it was just G.I. Joe, and then they did the G.I. Joe Extreme stuff, if, if memory serves me right. G.I. Joe Extreme was another just sad point in a lot of... and just. And any every franchise has had that low point. Every fr- yeah, every sure. franchise has had a low point. And for Joe, it was Dark Horse and GI Joe Extreme. GI Joe Extreme is so awful. I remember watching the cartoon, thinking, "Oh, this isn't bad." I watched it on YouTube three weeks ago, and I said, "What the fuck was I thinking <laughs> when I watched this?" And what drives me crazy, this is what drove me crazy about it. I could barely get through the credits because you know what? Sometimes I can be cynical, but normally people who know me, I'm just a silly silly dude okay i'm just a silly dude I, I love life i love cartoons i love comics but when they're going through the when they're running the credits and when they're running the opening credits and stuff the uh forget the uh, leader i think the leader's name was sergeant stone i think and like every time he talks he's like screaming because he's extreme he's like roll call and everybody like yells out their names and i'm like y'all ain't got to yell y'all right here you know <laughs> And then right before it ends, they're like, G.I. Joe Extreme. And he's like, we're extreme because we like it. Come on now. Did you really have to take it there? And and the, the dude they fought was uh, the Claw, who looked like Cobra Commander with like a Raspberry Beret. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, this shit is awful. But back but, but in the 90s, boy, you couldn't tell me nothing. I thought that shit was great. Yeah. So, but, but now looking at it, I hope to never see anything Dark Horse Joe related ever reprinted because those are also very short runs too. But hopefully, you know, they do recollect the um, the DDP stuff. That would be nice. G.I. Joe uh, Order of Battle books. The G.I. Joe Order of Battle books are great because it's got every Joe, including Rocky Balboa. (laughs) I think I have that. Larry Hammer wrote Rocky Balboa to the Joe team. I'm like, I ain't never see this fool in a book. But no, he was in there. He's got like his boxing gloves on. I got a little trivia question for you. What were the only two? You said one of the answers. What was the other G.I. Joe character that never made it into the comic. Wasn't it Refrigerator Perry? Yes, it was. 
You know they put Fridge on one of the Joe covers for the DDP series? Didn't they? Yeah, because they did like every Joe, right? Yeah, it was put- like a huge, like a wraparound cover, right? Yes. I, you know what? I got to go up and go through my books now, and I have to look to see if Rocky Balboa and Sergeant Slaughter are in there. Oh, if, if so, that would be utterly hilarious. I, see, and I remember the fridge, the, the refrigerator Perry a commercial, too, because that was a send-away figure. He had a... Uh, a mace football on a chain. Yes, he did. And and the foot, yeah, the football had the mace spikes in it and whatnot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm gonna run in and run right out of the foxhole with all these, all this shit blowing up and everything. Do I have a gun? Hell no. I got my spiked football mace thing chain yep, weapon, and he, and he can hit a flying trouble bubble and a parachute would pop out of the sky. <laughs> All three of them were sendaways, right? Wasn't uh, Rocky and um... I never, I never knew that Rocky was a sendaway. Honestly, I never, I, I never to this day have ever heard of a Rocky Balboa Joe figure. No, I'm pretty sure I remember it, mm. and it was just basically him in the. He had on the white boots with the <laughs> um, with the white trunks, Goodness. and uh, he had these big fat ass boxing gloves on. Yeah, you know, I, I, I have to see if this exists. I'll have to commence internet searching. Oh my God! Now, cause I, I, I mean, look, I, you're talking like I, I'm going back a ways because this had to be like when uh, Rocky Three came out. That oh, they it, did this promotion. Oh, so. it wouldn't be surprising. Now, I do have an original Rocky Apollo Creed action figure. Oh, I could beat that in a New York minute. Oh, wait, what you what you got? What you got? You don't even know. Uh, I've got I've got a Frank Stallone Street Corner Singer action figure mint in box. You know what? I should hang up this Skype call right now. <laughs> <laughs> I should hang up this Skype call right now. Frank Stallone, bitches. Oh, that's awful. If, that's dude, awful. Look, let me tell you something. His his name in Rocky was Street Corner Singer. If he was not related to Rocky Balboa in real life, it, there would be no action figure. And that's why I love Frank Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes another episode of the PKD Black Box. Make sure you tune in next week when John Carroll and I interview creators Len Workman of Bushi Tales and Martheus Wade of Jetta, Tales of the Toshigawa. You can get in touch with us via our forum. Just go to pkdmedia.com and click on the PKD form. Or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Our podcast is now available on iTunes. And if you dig what we're doing, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. Peace.